0: CHAPTER FIFTEEN OF HESTER, A STORY OF CONTEMPORARY LIFE BY MARGARET O. Oliphant. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. RECORDING BY ANN ERICKSON, TORONTO. CHAPTER FIFTEEN, WHAT EDWARD THOUGHT. THE DAY AFTER THIS INTERVIEW, WHICH HAD EXCITED EVERYBODY, AND WHICH NOT ONLY MRS. JOHN BUT THE CHORUS OF ATTENTIVE NEIGHBORS, HAD FELT IN THEIR HEARTS TO BE OF THE MOST CRITICAL IMPORTANCE. Esther had, as happened sometimes, a commission from her mother, or rather, as she was the active housekeeper, an agent in all their business, a necessity of her own, which took her into Redborough. Mrs. John had been brought up in the age when girls were supposed to be charming and delightful, in proportion as they were helpless, and her residence abroad had confirmed her in the idea that it was not becoming... indeed possible to permit a young woman of our class to go anywhere alone but what was it possible for the poor lady to do she could not herself walk into redborough a distance which was nothing in the estimation of the young and energetic all that mrs john was capable of was to bemoan herself to wring her hands and complain how dreadfully things were changed how incapable she herself would have been of going anywhere unaccompanied all which galled almost beyond endurance the high spirit of hester whose proud consciousness of perfect capacity to guard herself wherever she chose to go was yet so much embittered by the tradition of her mother's prejudice that her expeditions harmless as they were always appeared to her as a sort of confession of lowliness and poverty and defiance of the world's opinion thus she moved swift and proud about the streets looking neither to the right hand nor the left with a half-shame half-scorn of her unprotectedness which mingled oddly with her indignant contempt of the idea of wanting protection at all no messenger ever went so quickly or returned so soon as hester under this double inspiration she skimmed along with that springy motion in her gait as straight and as light as an arrow and before the chorus of the vernonry had finished communicating to each other the exciting fact that mrs john had once more permitted that girl to go into town by herself and asking each other what she could expect was to come of such proceedings hester would walk back into the midst of their conclave with such a consciousness of all their whisperings in the large eyes with which she contemplated them as she passed to her mother's door as suddenly hushed and almost abashed the eager gossips. She can't have been in Redboro, Miss Matilda would say breathless when the girl disappeared. Nobody could go so quickly as that. She's never been there at all. Dear Mrs. John, how she is taken in. She must have had some appointment, some rendezvous. There can't be any doubt of it. "'You know best, ladies, how such things are managed,' Mr. Mildmay Vernon would say with his acid smile, which was like a double-edged weapon and cut every way. This was the usual course of affairs, but on this particular day she did not surprise them in their animadversions by her rapid return. She was as long as any ordinary mortal. It was already afternoon when she set out, and the early autumn twilight had almost begun when she returned home.' The weather was no longer warm enough to permit of those hostile meetings in the summer house where the Vernonry disputed and fraternized. They were all indoors looking out, Miss Matilda seated in her window with her work table displayed, Mr Mile May making himself uncomfortable at the only angle of his which commanded the gate, to watch for the girl's return. If Harry accompanied her back, the community felt that this would be certain evidence as to what had happened but they were still full of hope that Harry had not been such a fool. It strung up their nerves to the highest pitch of suspense to have to wait so long, especially as it was evident that Mrs. John too was exceedingly nervous about her daughter's delay. She was seen to go out at least twice with a shawl over her cap, to look out along the road, and twice to return disappointed. What was she anxious about? Very good cause she had to be anxious with a girl like that, wondering no one could tell where about the streets and where could she be and whom could she be with of course things could not go on like this it must come to light sooner or later for the credit of the family it ought not to be allowed to go on this was what the chorus said in the meantime hester had done her business as quickly as usual but on her return she had found herself waylaid edward with whom her intercourse had been so broken who had established himself on the footing of a confidential friend on the first day of her arrival, and at intervals when they had met by chance since then, had spoken and looked as if this entente cordiale had never been disturbed. Edward was lingering upon the edge of the common on this particular afternoon, on his way home apparently, though it was early. It would be difficult to explain Hester's feelings towards him. He piqued her curiosity and her interest beyond any one of the limited circle with which the girl had to do. There were times when her indignation at the contrast between his fraternal and almost tender accost on their accidental meetings, and the way in which he held himself aloof on more public occasions, was uncontrollable. But yet there rarely occurred any of these public occasions without a meaning look a word said in an undertone which conveyed to hester a curious sense of secret intimacy of having more to do with edward's life than any of the fine people among whom he was so much more visibly familiar she was young enough to have her imagination excited and kept in a state of tantalized interest by these tactics and also to be indignant by any suggestion that this mode of treatment was not honourable on his part not honourable the idea would have roused Hester into proud indignation. What was he to her that it should matter how he behaved? His blowing hot and cold, his holding off and on, which a moralist would have condemned summarily, which the gossips would have delighted in commenting upon, what was it to her? But it amused her in the meantime with a constant curiosity and frequent pique exercising over her imagination something of the same effect which her own waywardness had upon harry when he declared that it drew a fellow on when she got out of the streets and saw before her walking slowly as if waiting for someone the figure of this tantalizing and uncertain personage there was a slight quickening of hester's pulses and flutter at her heart he had never done anything of this kind before and she had a feeling that he had not waited for her for nothing, but that some further revelation must be at hand. "'I saw you from my office window,' he said. "'I never saw anyone walk like you. "'I know you at once at any distance, even in a crowd. "'Do you dislike so much walking alone?' "'Why should I?' she asked quickly. "'I always walk alone.' "'That is no answer. "'One may hate many things one has to do habitually.' your walk says that you dislike it it says here am i who ought to be guarded like a princess but i am poor i have no escort of honour yet here i walk a whole retinue a bodyguard to myself hester's colour changed from pale to red and from red to pale with mingled indignation and pleasure it occurred to her against her will that harry might have seen her pass for years without learning anything from her gait i have to be my own bodyguard. is true she said but why should i want one at all it is folly to suppose a girl requires protection wherever she goes protection who would harm me she cried lighting up with an almost angry glow i for one would not like to try said edward looking at her with a look which was habitual to him when they were alone what did it mean a sort of contemplative regretful admiration as of a man who would like to say a great deal more than he dared say a sort of if i might if i could with an element of impatience and almost anger in the regret there was a pause and then he resumed suddenly and without any preface so it is harry who is to be the man harry hester gasped suddenly stopping short as she had a way of doing when anything vexed or disturbed her The rapidity of the attack took away her breath then she added as most people and certainly every girl naturally would add i don't know what you mean who else said edward calmly he has his freedom and he knows how to use it and i approve him for my part i am of the same opinion it should be i if i were he it seemed to hester that all the blood in her rushed to her throbbing cheeks and aching forehead she stamped her foot on the ground "'Is it of me you dare to speak so?' she cried. "'Oh, I understand you. "'When one has been brought up among the Vernons, "'one knows what things mean. "'You venture to tell me that Harry is the man. "'Who else? "'But that you would have been so had you been free. "'The man,' cried the girl with blazing eyes "'that smote him with lightnings not of a harmless kind, "'to pick up out of the dust, me, "'like something on the roadside.' You are very eloquent, my little cousin, said Edward. Not that there is very much in what you say, but your looks and gesture are as fine as ever I saw. After all, though, is it called for? When I say that Harry is the man, I do not suppose either that he is worthy of you, or that you think so. But you are a girl. What can you do? They would not let you work, and if you could work, nothing but daily bread would come of it and my dear hester you want a great deal more than daily bread you want triumph power you want to be as you are by nature somebody oh yes he said going on quietly waving his hand to avert the angry interruption which was on her lips believe me it is so even if you don't know it and how can you do this save by marrying it does not make anything worse to recognize its real character you must do this by marrying harry is the first man who offers if you were to wait a little longer you might do better but you do not feel that you can wait i do not blame you i should do the same were i you all this was said very quietly the speaker going on by her side with his eyes turned to the ground swinging his stick in a meditative way the soft measure of his voice with little pauses as if to mark the cadence Exercised a sort of spell upon the girl, who, with passion in all her veins and a suffocating sense of growing rage which made her almost powerless and took away words in the very heat of her need for them, moved on too against her will, feeling that she could express herself only by tones of fury if she attempted to express herself at all. Money does it all, said Edward in the same meditative way i am supposed to have as much as he has but i am tied to an old woman's apron and would lose everything were i to venture like he why should he be free and i a slave i know no reason caprice chance made it so he might have been taken in at the grange and i at the white house then i should have been the man and he been nowhere it is just so in life nothing but money can set it right money does You can believe in providence when you have money i shall get it some day but so far as this goes i shall be too late for you there are compensations he said giving a little glance at her you will find him very manageable more manageable than many who would have suited you better than myself for instance i should not have been docile at all even to you but he will be you can do what you please with him there is compensation in all "'Cousin Edward,' said Hester, suddenly finding her voice, "'you told me just now that I disliked to walk alone, "'that I was poor and had no bodyguard. "'I said who would harm me, "'but you have proved that it was true, and I a fool. "'I did want a bodyguard, "'someone to see that I was not insulted, "'to protect me on a quiet country road from... from... "'Yes, from whom? "'An unsuccessful suitor, "'a man that always has a right to be insulting?' cried edward with a sort of laugh to relieve his mind true to be sure all these things are true it is quite right that a girl needs protection men are stronger than she is and they will insult her if it is in their power if not in one way then in another the weak will always go to the wall if there is nobody to take care of you and nobody to punish me for it of course i shall treat you badly if i am not any worse than my neighbours i don't pretend to be any better Do you think I should have waited for you tonight if I had not wanted to insult you? Because you were alone and unprotected and unfriended, he said with a sort of snarl at her, turning upon her with a fierce sneer on his face. Hester was struck with a horror which stopped her indignation in full career. Oh, she cried, how can you make yourself out to be so ignoble, so ungenerous? Even when you say it, I cannot believe it to insult me cannot be what you mean.' "'Why not?' he said, looking at her. "'You can't do anything to me. For your own sake, you will tell nobody that Edward Vernon met you and said anything that he ought not to have said. Besides, if you wished to ruin me with her—' he waved his hand towards the Grange as he spoke. "'In the first place, she would not believe you. In the second place, if it came to that, I should not much mind.' it would be emancipation anyhow i should be no longer a slave bound to follow a woman in chains if i lost in one way i should gain in another but i am safe with you he said with another laugh i am free to irritate you to outrage you as much as i please you will not complain and in that case why should not i take it out of you he cried turning fiercely upon her Esther was too much startled to retain the violent indignation and offence of her first impulse. "'She was overwhelmed with pity and horror. "'Cousin Edward,' she said, "'you do not mean all that. "'You did not come here to insult me. "'You must have had some other thought. "'You must be very unhappy somehow, "'and troubled and distressed to speak as you are doing now. "'It comes out of yourself. "'It is not anything about me.' oh yes it is something about you he said with a laugh then after a pause but you have some insight all the same no i'll tell you what it is it is money money hester that is what we all want if you had it you would no more marry harry than old rule if i had it and the thing clear is that i must have it said edward breaking off abruptly i can't wait hester went home very much bewildered outraged by all he said yet more sorry than angry he had not made any reply to her appeal for his confidence yet she knew that she was right that it was out of a troubled and miserable heart that he had spoken not merely out of wounded feeling on the subject of herself she did not know whether he understood what she said to him on the subject of harry or if that penetrated his mind at all but she went home at once more miserable and more interested than she thought she had ever been in her life had not she too drawn some conclusion of the same kind from her own experiences from the atmosphere of the vernonry so full of ingratitude unkindness and all uncharitableness she came very slowly home and took no notice of the way in which mildmay vernon squinted at her from his corner and the Miss Ridgeways waved their hands from the window. Harry then had not come home with her. I knew he was not such a fool, the male observer said to himself, and the sisters laughed and talked in quite an outburst of gaiety for some time after. Harry Vernon, think of that girl! Of course he did not. Who would? So ill brought up with such manners and hair that is nearly red, they said. End of chapter 15